Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, with you here today. We may or may not have my sidekick, Javier Figueroa. I believe he's on the road. He may try to jump in if he can get a good connection. But we've got two great hours of radio lined up for you today. In our first hour, we're going to bring you a couple of fellas from Washington State at a group called One Washington. And in the second hour, we're going to be speaking with Stand for Health Freedom, a fantastic organization that helps every uh, activists and, and advocates in every single state um, take action on things um, concerning medical freedom. So uh, I guess that's all uh, I have to say as way of introduction, other than, yes, I continue to remain hopeful in this age of, you know, a whole lot of craziness, a lot of things happening. Uh, but I feel like after two years, we really are on the road to this peaceful revolution, taking our lives back, understanding what freedom is, understanding what health is, understanding how to be the good kind of citizens we need to be in order to protect our health and freedom. Okay. And in all of this, you know, before all this started, there were, there were a handful relative to what there is now of, of medical freedom informed consent groups and activists in every state. We had a hard time being heard. Um, but one of the silver linings of COVID has been that a lot of the flaws and problems systemically that have been happening um, have been revealed in a very large way because of the extreme overreach of these problems. They became very, vis very visible. And once you see them, you can't unsee them. And because of this, some fabulous grassroots organizations have come up. Some brilliant individuals have have step forward with their life experience, their business experience, and and doing what it takes to move America in the right direction. And one of these groups is in Washington State. It's called One Washington. And I'm going to bring on now Tom Jones and Larry Gott of um, two of the founding fathers, as it were, of One Washington. Welcome to an Inform Live Radio. It's great to be with you, Bernadette. And uh, looks like Dr. Figueroa made it in. Yay. I did, yes. My apologies for the tardiness. No, we're, we're glad to see you here. He's the PhD part of this team. I'm the mama bear. He's the PhD daddy bear, I guess. Yeah, great, great combo. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm so glad that you made it, um, Javier. And so feel free. I got to warn you guys, Tom and Larry, that Bernadette talks a lot. And sometimes well, poor Javier will go two hours and he might get two words in. And I keep trying to do a better job of stepping back a little bit, but you know, <laughs> he's fun. He's waving me off. But, okay. So let, let's get right into this T to begin with Tom, we'll begin with you. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you were pre COVID 
and and then your journey to one washington if you you bet well first of all uh, thanks for having larry and i on the uh, show today Um, larry and i are the co-presidents of a nonprofit, uh, one washington and we're volunteer co-presidents you asked about my background um I'll tell you the part I can talk about publicly. How's that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just uh, starting off with a little humor. We, we, uh, my wife and I have been involved in uh, caring for people by serving through volunteer organizations for many years on boards and, uh, and helping uh, try to move communities closer together uh, around the central tenants that serve as the backbone of our nation. Uh, the belief that um, all of our rights are given to us by our creator, that we are therefore endowed by our creator with those rights. Uh, They're not created by government, and um, the government's role is to protect those rights um, and to reinforce them, uh, not to usurp them. Uh, From a professional standpoint, uh, for the past couple of decades, I've been a, a business consultant uh, way too much schooling uh, with a doctorate in strategic leadership, and uh, but a master's in theology, which wow. uh, informs the um, the narrative, the values by which uh, we encourage businesses to move forward uh, with progress in business. Um, so it's been a great pleasure to step into this volunteer role uh, with One Washington, which uh, emerged. Uh, due to the needs created by government actions in, in our state with COVID. Maybe Larry can jump in with more on that. Sure. Do you want to transition there, Bernadette, or did you want to? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go for it, Larry. Thank you. Sure. Uh, yeah, what Tom was uh, alluding to is uh, back in August when the mandates came out, uh, Tom and I uh, both serve as leaders at our church. Um, so we have that mm-hmm. intersection as well. And it was really out of serving the body that it all started because we people were coming and saying, gosh, what are we going to do? Um, we're going to lose our job. How do we respond? And so, again, a deep call and a deep passion to serve people. Um, so we said, well, we I guess we better do a little uh, education on these vaccine mandates. So we thought we'd have 50 people there. We put together a weekend event and what, what was it, about 500? No, but almost 900 came the first night. Um, and then I don't know, 30 some events later, uh, we've covered, I don't know, 20,000 plus um, around the state and a few other states. And it was just because the need was so high. And so we partnered with some of our uh, legislative leaders who understand the legislature and they, and again, our mission is to educate folks, get them organized and get them activated. Mm-hmm. Um, not telling people what to do, but getting them the education so they can make their own choices. Mm-hmm. And so that was the, what really um, spawned one Washington was the vaccine to Tom's point uh, action by the governor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, what I love, what you have brought to, you know, your background, I mean, the, the um, leadership, and returning to the foundational roots is, is our country founded on what God gave us and government was set up to protect up those God-given freedoms. It's like it's like life trained you to, to be in this moment, to be available because so many people have been floundering and needing some information and guidance. And so they could step out of freedom 
step into yeah. education and from them be empowered to make choices to um, in, in to do what needs done. And so I'm so grateful for you two doing what you're doing. Now, what part of Washington state are you in? We're, well, we're not in, we're not in Seattle. Let me just start there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in, in fact, I just got uh, uh, last night late came in from business travel. And of course, people always ask that question and they go, I, I used to say, well, near Seattle, but now I say I'm from Washington state. And then uh, they look at me and I go, not Seattle. Um, yeah. Do that, you know, somewhat with humor, but Seattle is uh, very, very, very liberal. We live in a beautiful little uh, area called Gig Harbor. Gig Harbor is across the uh, Narrows Bridge uh, suspension bridges, kind of the San Francisco Golden Gate bridges north uh, from uh, Tacoma, south of Seattle, across to where we are. And it's a bedroom community to the, the urban areas. Uh, a lot of people uh, either retire here, um, raise their kids here, or commute uh, to work elsewhere. Um, but it's become a, a central influence in our state because of uh, the work of One Washington. Uh, as Larry indicated, um, we set out initially to do a small seminar for some people that were asking, how do I write a, uh, an intelligently worded, accurate exemption uh, for my employers, because I just my conscience just doesn't want me to proceed with this um, experimental medical shot, and uh, mm -hmm. I want to write it well and from a basis of my faith. And you know, after several dozen people, uh, we realized, well, we're not going to do this one on one. Let's put together a seminar, uh, and so we built a, a pretty good team. We had Representative Jesse Young, who's um, a multi-term representative from our district and very articulate. Jesse was a former software engineer working with uh, C CEOs and so forth in major companies. And so not only has a legislative background, but he's really sharp uh, intellectually and can present well. And so we pulled together a team and uh, put together a seminar. And as Larry said, it kind of blew up. And Larry, I was checking numbers. I think it was more like 30,000 people. So um, counting all the online views. And uh, it really woke up uh, some of the legislative leaders and officials and people in the governor's office. It's like, you know, where'd these masked men come from kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we then followed up with uh, being asked to co-sponsor an event uh, called the Olympic Conference. We brought in Charlie Kirk and Todd Herman. That was super, super well attended. And then uh, uh, just uh, in uh, a couple of months ago, uh, we brought in um, some real ringers, um, mm -hmm. Dr. Ryan Cole from Idaho yes. and yes. Uh, and then Dr. Robert Malone. And mm -hmm. there were 2000 people at that uh, series of four events, 500 yes. each. You may get a yeah. kick out of this. We held it in a church um, of 500 people four times. Uh, so that the governor couldn't cancel it because of the churches. <laughs> we're, we're returning to the word sanctuary and its original yes. meaning. Yes. Uh, wow. You know, and, they talk yeah, about sanctuary and, cities, and we used it as a sanctuary sanctuary. 
I love that. And, and Tom and Larry, I have to let you know that soon after you had your fantastic event there with uh, Dr. Cole and Dr. Malone, they flew out to where I am in Tennessee to speak to our legislators. We have a couple of good bills. In fact, they both passed um, a, a bill that acknowledges that naturally acquired immunity to SARS-CoV-2 is equal wow. to or superior than the shot. And another wow. bill um, is going to make, we're still waiting for the governor's signature, um, and another bill um, that will allow individuals to purchase without a prescription ivermectin from a pharmacist. It'll be behind the pharmacy counter. So they have a consultation to make sure they take it safely right, right. Um, and get the right dosage and all that. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And it was thanks to Cole and Malone and Corey and others who yep. tested, who came around and educated our legislators and brought them the oh, science. Wow. But I have to tell you, yeah, it was fantastic. They could not stop talking about you guys. They wow. loved One Washington. It was so fantastic. They're like, oh, yeah, we're on Washington State. And this group, they are so together. They, you know, you you really impressed them. Um, well, so kudos uh, to you. Very, very kind of them. Of course, yes. uh, coming from them, that means a lot. They're super people, both of them. They are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And, and they've been everywhere in the United States. And for you guys to stand out among all the visitors of the places they visited, that, that says something about what you're doing. So um, keep it up. It's fantastic. <laughs> Way to go, Larry. It must have been because of you. Yeah, sure. It's because we got a good team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is yeah. a good team. That's right. You know, um, it, is, it is interesting, Bernadette, your earlier comment about how life journey positions you for something. Uh, mm -hmm. This was probably the last thing. I know the last thing I ever imagined doing, and maybe for Tom as well. Um, yeah. I was running as hard away from politics as possible, but here I am mm -hmm. uh, because it's needed. And it is interesting the way the Lord just navigates and uses yeah. past experience. Like Tom, I've done a lot um, consulting for 20 plus years in the corporate environment. And actually a lot of those uh, skills uh, have been deployed with one Washington. And so it is, it is interesting path. Yeah. Well, and, and Larry, um, you should mention that a lot of your consulting has been with uh, the C level, C suite level in major hospitals, uh, Stanford children's others, uh, where you were retained as a consultant and working with the literally the leaders of those settings. So when we talk about uh, medical freedom, uh, Larry has the corporate uh, and medical corporate, not medical medicine mm -hmm. uh, background. It's just really unique to see how um, our team has come together. Well, Larry, that wow, that begs a lot of questions from me because um, I think a lot of us see that the problems perpetrated on us today are coming from the corporate side of medicine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being driven, choices being made, you know, from pressures other than doing what's right for the individual patient. Is that something you can speak about? Um, um, I can speak a little bit to it. Clearly, there's the um, financial side of things that are driving behavior, and that's huge. The amount of money, mm -hmm. and you probably all uh read them the amount of money that the hospitals get for each COVID patient. Yeah. You know, yeah. For how much for the diagnosis for the labs and so forth. So there's clearly a financial driver in mm -hmm. that, that, um, and so much of that is driven by CMS, which uh, dictates, um, you know, federal funding for, for medical care. Mm -hmm. um, so that's clearly at play as well as, 
you all know the lobbying um, uh, force that's at play as well. I, what motivates me to work in the environment is the patients and most physicians and nurses are the same way. I believe mm -hmm. at the core, they want to give good care, but in a lot of cases, their hands are tied. So it's a broken system. It's a broken system that needs yeah. to be redone. And it has been broken for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, COVID revealed it to the masses. Yeah. And I'm not going to repeat. My listeners have heard me tell a couple of personal stories, a mom and pop in the hospital. Um, oh, my yeah. pop especially. Um, but oh, we saw it. We saw the broken system. We saw mm -hmm. that we were not allowed to make choices that even the doctor agreed with because it wasn't quote unquote standard yes. of care. Mm -hmm. And um, this all needs to be fixed. So mm -hmm. it has revealed that. And I, I've always wanted to stress, I think what, what really can happen is we turn um, systems and entire groups of people into the enemy, into the other. Right. And, and we don't want to do that. We've got good people working in a corrupt system. And there are some corrupt people in that system which are pushing it. But, mm -hmm. you know, we want to embrace the doctors and nurses. We want to encourage them to become whistleblowers, to mm -hmm. stand up, to do what's right. Because if, if we have this quiet, peaceful revolution within the hospital system transforming it, you know, that's going to go a lot faster. I know a parallel system system of, of healthcare is beginning to emerge, which is wonderful. But, you know, in the very beginning um, of any type of parallel system like this, there's going to be an awful lot of people who can't access it because it's mm -hmm. not through insurance. There will be obviously some good charities that will rise up to help people who can't afford it. But, um, yeah, just so, mm -hmm. so much work to be done. Yeah. So um, any questions, Javier? So let me make sure you well, get your word. <laughs> one Washington, um, you know, what has been the most successful strategy that or at least the, the, the most successful uh, programs you've, you've implemented that you've actually seen movement on? Because every time I talk to my representative and my senator at the legislative level, it's crickets. Yeah. How, how did your how did the people that you work with you know, get traction and movement from, from their uh, uh, political uh, representatives. You know, a um, couple of things about that. Um, one of the things that we did, and Larry's actually really skilled at this, is it started out with people observing how school boards were being moved back in Virginia. And local people were, you know, going to the school boards and testifying. But what they were being told by the school board members is, our hands are tied. We've got this and that and the other thing. And so we did a, a very thorough assessment of all of the factors that affect education. And so, you know, what's what what are the control mechanisms? What are the strings of lines of influence? And of course, during COVID, there were these federal funds, uh, acronym ESSER funds. And then there's state funding and then there's teachers unions and then there's the natural national and local unions and state unions there's the school board the state school board there's legal issues there's the office of superintendent of public instruction there's the governor's office there's the legislature there's the board of health so we looked at all of that stuff and asked the question what is the point of greatest uh leverage and studied everything uh, until we had it figured out. And it's quite a matrix. It looks like a spider web. 
and yeah. uh, it ends. It, it up looks like the uh, the diagram for the healthcare system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, and so um, you know, all these things end up funneling down to impact on children. What we learned in our state is that the Board of Health had um, uh, constituted an advisory group, a technical advisory group that was chartered by the board with the task of studying and making a recommendation to the Board of Health as to whether or not to add the COVID shots to the existing law of required immunizations for school-aged children to attend school or um, private or public or um, childcare. And what we learned is that that recommendation had not yet been made. And so our thinking was, if that could be impacted and a, re a negative recommendation made to the Board of Health, then the Board of Health would have to overturn their own recommendation uh, group. Long story short, um, we learned there were nine criteria. Larry pulled down those criteria. Three of them were medical. So when Dr. Cole and Dr. Malone arrived, we sat down with them and said, okay, here's the three criteria. And you guys can talk about lots of stuff with data on everything from, you know, comorbidities to efficacy to CDC. What we would ask you to do is take these three criteria and laser beam in on them as to what science would say based on your data and your experience. And so then we did it interview style, had a couple of uh, our own people, a professional journalist and a Washington uh, uh, one of our own, uh, expert, uh, who works in the pharma industry professionally, um, do the questions we gave those questions in advance to Dr. Malone and Cole, and we targeted the topics that the board of health advisory group, the tag technical advisory group was going to answer. We answered mm -hmm. them. And then following on that, we made short clip videos and sent them far and wide as well as uh, at the TAG forum for public opinion, we brought in people uh, in the masses to testify and also sent those videos in. Long story short, the technical advisory group voted to not recommend including the experimental shots as a requirement. Now, uh, in a couple of weeks, the, I think it's next week. Next week. April 13th. Yeah. In, to decide what to do with that recommendation. And so uh, I know Informed Choice has done a wonderful job of putting together materials and getting it out. And mm -hmm. uh, we're about ready to fire out uh, an email. I think what we might do, Bernadette, is just use your email and say, see below. It's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to improve on your skill. Oh. And, um, but basically ask the Board of Health to listen to their own people. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but the quick summary full study, where are the vulnerabilities, what's the tightest mm -hmm. uh, point of influence we could generate, and then bring experts in to do the um, science side and public in to reinforce it. And yeah, it, it was so fantastic to have that major, um, major energy push reach added to what we were doing, what several other organizations were doing. And 
ultimately the majority of the tag, not all of them, voted against recommending the COVID shot. And and some of their reasons were, you know, salt, they just, the data's not there yet. They said that we, we don't know enough about these shots. Um, uh, and I, one thing I wanted to point out to you and to hearing you guys talk about the nine criteria by which the board of health measures uh, a shot. Actually, they don't measure the shot. They eventually sort of do measures a vaccine to see whether or not they're going to add it to school requirement. Um, This has been something we have known about and worked about for years. And in 2017, they actually um, brought to the public those nine criteria that they'd had for a while because they were revising them. And another um, board member at the time, Drella and I sat down and we, I don't remember how long we, it was, 20, 30 pages, I don't know, but we examined all nine criteria and we measured every vaccine currently on the school required list. None of them met the criteria. When you, especially like the pertussis shot, the whooping cough shot doesn't prevent infection, transmission, colonization. It wanes very rapidly. Um, You can still get full blown. It causes asymptomatic carriage. So vaccinated uh, toddlers are are giving uh, pertussis to their newborn siblings, all Mm this. Um, We've got a long history with with wrangling with the board of health, bringing them the full science, saying it doesn't match your criteria. Therefore, it should be a purely personal decision that a parent makes. We're not saying tell everybody don't vaccinate, don't pull all the vaccines from, from Washington state. We're just saying, here's your nine criteria. Here's our evaluation of it, you know, and it would, it would say that vaccination should go back to being as it was prior to 1980 a personal medical decision, but they don't do that. And I have no faith that they will do that in regards to the COVID shots because they don't do it for any of the others. I mean, let's look at the tetanus shot. Tetanus is not a communicable disease. Why is it required for school? You can't, you can't spread tetanus. It's a, you know, that should be a personal shot. Um, Anyway, so it is, it just so warms my heart that gentlemen such as yourselves became aware of the nine criteria, became aware of the Board of Health process, the TAG uh, process, and, and, and you have become, in the best way that humans learn through experience and some um, you know life experience and wrangling with yourselves, you came to understand what we've been trying to shout <laughs> for a while. <laughs> so well right. done. I may jump in right here. So you made the you made the you 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 basically diagrammed out all the links of how the the point of leverage is, and you said the board of health is our bullseye that we have to hit. And in that bullseye, were there some were you able to identify particular people that had more um, power or or swaying ability? Well, that's where we really narrowed in on the tag because that was the board advising them. Um, we haven't um, gone after individuals on the board at this point. Have we? Do we know who they are and all that? Of course, um, but I think Bernadette, you're right. We'll see what happens. Right on the 13th, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's other big influencers that Tom talked about, like money, 
like the unions and others. And those um, are also high influence points. We chose the tag because it was the most critical at this time. But that doesn't mean these other ones aren't also in, in our rifle scope in terms of potential targets to shift this. Um, you know, and then there's obviously um, giving parents the option to not do public schools. At some point, there has to be a parallel option. And Bernadette, to your earlier point, not everybody can do that. Yeah. Right. So there, there's challenges with that. But we have to have mm -hmm. all options on the table. Now, what's interesting, and if I may add to this point, uh, every time that I talk to teachers, and I've known several teachers, they're you know, friends of, in the neighborhood, a lot of these teachers live in absolute fear yep. that, you know, if these kids are not vaccinated, I'm next. Yeah, yeah. And more to the point, there seems to be a tight associ association between that particular mindset and a particular pervasive uh, teaching requirement that has become very popular in schools nowadays. Yes, and according to Drs. Cole and Ryan, uh, at the time that they spoke with us, there was not any known provable uh, case of a transmission from a student to a teacher. Um, there were uh, cases where adults were transferring uh, the disease to children. Exactly. But no, no uh, scientific evidence in the true language of what those words mean uh, that it went the other direction. And, you know, people uh, have really been, uh, you hear people call it fear porn, the, yes. the leverage of using fear yep. to scare people into believing things that aren't true is uh, frustrating and sad. Yes. And when it's your own government doing it, when it's your own taxpayer dollars used to push the fear. And, you know, for two years in Form Choice Washington and, and Bernadette, sometimes I took off my hat and I said, this is just Bernadette talking to you because I'm going to get real here. Um, we've been pleading with them um, to put the word out about early treatment protocols, dispel fear that you're not going to die. There's help on the way, let you know. And, and they do nothing. They say, we can't do that. It's not within our wheelhouse, blah, blah, blah. They can push emergency used, you know, rapidly develop shots, but they can't utter the word vitamin D. What the heck, right? It's, it's yeah. very frustrating. It, so, it ultimately comes down to motivation. Yeah. Right. And what I believe is what you start to see is the real motivation uh, behind people in certain positions. And, mm -hmm. and that's why we got to hit the other uh, key strategic pillar in our um, work is on the elections and getting the right people mm -hmm. in these offices. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while we're talking about medical freedom and specifically school um, vaccine mandates, from a one washing perspective, we're looking at a number of different what we call strategic pillars as a way to win our freedom back. Um, Ooh, because they're all, they're all interrelated, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so. And, yeah, you know, let's hear the pillars. Um, <laughs> yeah, Doc, you asked about effectiveness of action uh, a few minutes back. One of the things that our uh, study first, act second approach has revealed is there are, you know, maybe a dozen different parent groups and activist groups in the state of Washington that are, you know, we got to do something, we got to do something. And they get all ginned up and excited and, you know, they'll wave signs or hold rallies. And from a legislative government standpoint, uh, sadly, those are actually almost meaningless. 
Exactly. Um, and so one of the, the goals we have over time is to see what we can do to unite people into one Washington. Now, the danger of saying that is it can sound like we want to be uh, in control of everything. That's not what I'm intending to say. What I'm talking about is coordinated effort, not controlled effort. Um, people retain their own group identity and their own leadership and all that, but have some sort of a council uh, that grows out of this that is uh, checking in with each other before um, the trigger's pulled. I really appreciate, Bernadette, one of your colleagues, uh, Bob Runnels, gave a call here a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago and said, hey, here's what we're thinking about doing with um, the April 13th board meeting. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to do this and this and this and, you know, love to coordinate with you. And and the response was fabulous. Go for it. We'll just support what you're doing. We don't need to duplicate it. It doesn't have, need to have our name on it. Um, what And it's that kind of cooperative uh, collegiality uh, that is behind the heart of our name. Uh, it doesn't that. have to run in our name. But yeah. somehow we need to start thinking of uh, the status of family. And, oh, you know, I, that, in any family, uh, family okay. members have different personalities and roles, but yeah. they're still family. And that's more mm -hmm. what we're wanting to build and facilitate. Yeah, we need I, to know there's a lot of groups out there that are way smarter than us on particular mm -hmm. topics. That's not our expertise. I think what uh, our uniqueness is the ability to pull people together, ability to kind of look at the big picture, have a strategic uh, strategy. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what we're trying to leverage. At least so far, that's what seems to be the, the focus for us. And, you know, that is something we've been sort of wishing and praying on, haven't we, Javier? Mm -hmm. You know, over mm -hmm. conversations the past couple of years is mm -hmm. how do we pull all this energy and all these, these different groups that do have different strengths how do we pull them together so that everybody is still doing their own strength yet we're communicating and we're working where all the oars are pulling in the same direction. Yes. I, I do want to give, I understand exactly what you're saying about rallies and sign waving and all that, but I want, I, I want to make sure that listeners understand like a flip side. So while it's not impressing legislators and the media tends to ignore it, there is value in a couple of things when these happen. Yes. Of course, they're always peaceful, yep. um, but they help like-minded people find each other so yep. you don't feel yes. alone. And there's yes. tremendous value in that. At mm -hmm. a lot of these rallies, the information sharing, people find friends that are, you know, end yep. up being lifelong friends. Um, they share experiences. If they've got an injured uh, family members, somebody injured by the shot or something, they're finding out about it. Doctors who are having success healing that. So, so there's, there is importance in that. And I do think that mm -hmm. movements such as ours need to be visible. Yes. So yes. It brings visibility to the general public driving by, walking yep. by, seeing yep. it on social media. And they realize there are people who are concerned like I am in making a difference. So, so I just wanted, yeah. So I'm glad yeah, you're so, nodding and we understand so, the value yeah. of different. So that we're not unclear. We're not opposed to any of those things. It's more um, tiny groups uh, burning themselves out, you know, versus, yeah. okay, strategically. Like when we, it was very conscious on our part to pull 2,000 people together uh, mm -hmm. or to reach 30,000 uh, in person. 
mm-hmm. with these other activities. Um, and, and it wasn't just us, it was multiple groups gathering. So we totally agree with, uh, I mean, you look at the Martin Luther King efforts and the, the marches and the rallies. Um, I think what I'm trying to communicate is, uh, you know, divided action with small groups, um, can actually burn people out because they try something, they get all the energy needed to try it and it fails. And pretty soon, uh, we've run into people who say, well, you know, I tried that and it didn't work. And frankly, I'm burned out and don't want to try it anymore. Yeah. We'd, we'd rather think in terms of how can we coordinate our efforts so that when we make, when we put our foot down, it's more like Godzilla than Bambi. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it, you know, so it can't be ignored as there's so many people and it's so visible and it's so targeted that uh, it causes a bit of an earthquake. I, I love that. <laughs> I'm never going to watch Godzilla the same again. I'm going to know what Tom's talking about every time I hear. <laughs> well, Bernadette, to your point about the value of people being like-minded, in our uh, VAX exemption workshops, probably one of the most common things that was said was, oh my gosh, I didn't realize there are as many people that had the same view as me. And I'm mm-hmm. walking out of here with hope. Yes. Um, and, and that wasn't because of the content per se. It was because they were with other people. And yes. so we fully get it and, and yeah. absolutely agree with the value of, yeah. um, of that. I, and I think if people, to keep from burning out, if they, you know, hopefully they'll hear this radio show and they'll understand that, you know, yes, getting out there public with your signs and peacefully demonstrating um, serves a purpose, but if they understand it's not going to achieve the end goal, it's just a part of the yes. entire thing, yep. then they don't get frustrated. They go out, they yes, that's what it needs to do, but then they find ways to have that meaningful action yes. that can lead to change. And that's, that's, where that's one an Washington, excellent, yeah. really an excellent point. So tie expectations to activity. Yes. Uh, to where this activity is important. Visibility is the goal. Uh, mm-hmm. We were visible, goal achieved versus yes. uh, we're going to wave signs and the legislature is going to vote differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it takes, you know, it takes different levers to do different things. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's um, that's really well stated. And it's a, a good way for all of us to inform our people is to tie. OK, this activity will accomplish the following. That is essential. Don't be discouraged versus a, mm-hmm. a a disconnect between the activity and the anticipated outcome. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Good um, point, Bernadette. See, we learn, stuff, we learn stuff all the time. <laughs> the, the power of collaboration. And, and, as, yeah. and as much as I, this virtual getting together um, can never, ever replace that human being in the same room, I'm so grateful for it, for what it can do. But let me tell you, I mean, um, if I can squirrel a minute to the difference between what it is um, interacting with politicians in, in Tennessee, where I am now compared to Washington, where you still can't walk the halls as a citizen, no. you know, that whole legislative session is so frustrating. And some of the most important conversations that I had this year were accidental bump into somebody on the elevator, walking down the hall, or, you know, just catching them here and there, or just sitting down and shooting the breeze. And next thing you know, you're talking about something you didn't realize 
that you both were passionate on and you find out a bill you need to support or something that doesn't happen in these virtual settings that are so controlled. There's no, you know, um, so, you know, getting back, we need Washington state to get back to human to human and never let them um, take it again. I watched this really good, but scary video (laughs) earlier today and it was showing how you create a, a, a society, um, with the the fear, you introduce the fear and then you pull it back and then you introduce fear again and you pull it back and you do that. But not again. all the way back. Not mm-hmm. all the way back, but every time you bring it forward, there's still the re- the memory of the old fear that they yep. haven't recovered yet. It's easier to control the more you do it over yes. and over and over. And that's how you take over with, with some of these um, tyrannical sort of things that are being Well, there's, there's science behind that, which I imagine you're very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And- yeah. It's very intentional. It's it's psychological warfare um, that's at play. Yeah, um, mass psychosis. Mm-hmm. Well, there's yeah. that. There's also the neuro linguistic programming kind of stuff. And right. I'm not an expert on it. Have just you know seen enough to go, uh huh. This has credibility. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that I've done uh, on a volunteer basis is uh, serve and Larry as well. Both of us actually um, as uh, volunteer emergency responders to the uh, law enforcement community uh, because when they, uh, the, the average person goes through two or three traumatic events in their lifetime, the average first responder goes uh, through 225 traumatic events in their career, you know, wow. coming on an accident scene with uh, uh, horrific injuries to human bodies that no one should ever see. Um, so in that um training that I've received and certifications, one of the things that happens when you're traumatized is the front part of your brain, which is where we make reasoned decisions, the cerebral cortex, where you process pro and con, yes and no, and make a decision in a, in a traumatic encounter, it shuts down and you go right to the amygdala, which is the fight, flight, or freeze part of your brain. And um, then you're making decisions based on getting away from it. You're making decisions on, uh, you know, just freezing um, or you're making decisions on running in a direction. The the person in the room with the loudest voice is saying the exits over here, you know, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think fear does the same thing. It creates a, a form of trauma. And then makes people more susceptible to the loud voice saying, here's the exit, go here. Or to freeze and refuse to take action that would be the normal action of saying no or or whatever. Plus the reasoning part of your brain shut down. Now that's uh, trauma science in an emergency responder world. But I think there's a linkage. I'm not a social or psychological scientist either. But that's real background and that is real science. And I think it can be um, used to frame what's occurring and what's being done. And like Larry said, uh, the two of us and the people around, we're absolutely convinced it's uh, conscious and there's a strategy behind it to increase and maintain control. Correct. And to your point, it is um, a reality in um, social environments as well. There's social trauma versus you know the more horrific stuff that uh, happens to be with the state patrol and the fire mm-hmm. um it, it also reminds me that we need to give people grace 
because mm-hmm. people are making decisions in that uh, condition. And yeah. so we have to give people grace. And, and really, that's part of our um, mission is through the educate to get them to see or at least have a different perspective so they can move out of the amygdala and into the cortex and actually mm-hmm. an informed choice. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, maybe uh, we haven't really said this yet, but we have three things we try to do in one Washington on any topic. And the first one is educate. The second one is organize. And the last one is activate. And so, for instance, and to just be real specific about it, with the um, Board of Health TAG, Technical Advisory Group, uh, first of all, was educate. So we brought in Cole and Malone. It's hard to find... I mean, maybe McCullough or some of the others, but hard to find more expert level people than mm-hmm. the two of them. And they're articulate. So that's educate. Next step is organize. We put together a QR code that was on the screen at every seminar and a person holds their camera up and it takes them to a pre-written email to the tag that is uh, that comes up on their own email, word, whatever system they use, um, Outlook or Gmail or whatever, which they can modify. And then we tell them, okay, if you want to act, feel free, change the wording, whatever. So, uh, so they were educated, they were organized, and they had the option of activating at their own choice. Of course, we believe you don't hold seminars on choice and then mandate what people do. Yeah. But, <laughs> But anyway, the point is, uh, then people, you know, the danger is you educate and people go, oh, man, I'm, I get it. I'm bummed now. All this. What do I do? How can I? I'm just one person. And so um, it's it's having those three in anything we do, educate, organize and activate. And the, always the question is, what's the takeaway? What's the activation that anybody can do? Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's, that's what you do in business. Yeah. It's not, it's not rocket science. No, well, you know, you remind me of Zen Honeycutt, who is, um, is it Moms Across America? I forget. There's so many great names. She's um, the, goes against Monsanto and glyphosate and all that. Mm. He came out to Washington when I was still there and I met her. And one of my favorite sayings she has is never offer a problem without offering a solution. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and so everywhere she go, educating glyphosate is don't use this, use this. And she had the solution. And that's what you're doing is you're educating, which often brings, highlights the problem. But then you're offering this and that that gives hope. And that empowerment. Now, before, you know, we're getting close to the top of the hour here. And I you mentioned four pillars. So what were those four pillars? Um, actually, there's more than four, but... Um... I don't know. Maybe I said four, but oh. um, <laughs> so obviously the medical freedom is one, which mm-hmm. we focus a lot on. Schooling is another. And there's an overlap there, obviously, with the school vax uh, potential requirements. But there's also a lot on curriculum and things that are being forced through curriculum. So schooling yeah. is another key strategic pillar. Um, again, similar, but a little bit different is parental rights mm. as well. Um, You know, there's so much stuff going on with having the kids be able to consent to things when you hear in Washington when they're 13 years old. So actually, um, parental rights is another key area. 
we talked earlier about getting the right candidates. So kind of our equal representation. So getting the right candidates, um, making sure the elections have integrity. Um, mm -hmm. So there's that pillar. Um, we, we talked a little bit about um, the parallel um, economy. We, we call that free enterprise. Um, we have to be able to operate um, under free enterprise right. and civic safety. And so police reform, uh, supporting our firefighters, those kinds of things uh, fit in that pillar. And then we also do a, a biblical citizenship, uh, which is just constitutional um, foundational learning. Um, and we just call that our foundation series. It's through um, Rick Green's organization. And it's been uh, awesome. So those, those are kind of our areas at this point. I, I, I love that. And, you know, I you are echoing everything that's happening right here in, in where I am in uh, Northeast Tennessee and in so many are, other parts of the nation. Um, you're hitting on all the things that speak to the hearts of most citizens of this country. Well, you know, and, and, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I, was, I was just going to say, you're right. This is what the grassroots majority uh, thinks, feels, and longs for. And I actually mm -hmm. believe that the average politicians, Democrats, and sadly, and Republicans are frankly out of touch with the grassroots of our country. Yes. And they're, they're in an echo chamber listening to their lobbyists. They're listening to the news stations. They don't understand that um, you have to go a long ways to find it. Well, actually to Seattle for us, to find yeah. a, true, <laughs> a, a true left socialist, um, you know, grouping or mindset. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's just shocking people who, uh, you know, weld for a living to people who are in uh, commerce and CEOs yeah. uh, are sharing with us regularly. Doctors are, nurses are, mm -hmm. teachers are, um, mm -hmm. You know, these are the basic values. What's happening? Why doesn't anybody? And then they watch the political machine. And we had one person say, basically, there's no difference between the Republicans and Democrats. They just have different constituencies. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it, it's like a business and they have different customers. Mm. Jeez. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't be looked on as a business, right? That's, that's the it problem of, you know, dollar, the almighty dollar is ruling everything. Everything is controlled. And um, I guess I'm always, I'm pretty lucky. I live in a, and it's sort of in a bubble. I don't have a job to lose. You know, I volunteer. I'm in a stage of life where, you know, none of these things happening personally, I was able to avoid personal impact. So I know when I say that people just need to resist the financial um, pressures, that I can say that easily because it's not impacting me. But seriously, yes, this is where we are. Um, we are really at the stage, and if you'll forgive the rather crude expression that I say all the time, but... I think it sums it up best of where we are right now, all over the world. It's stand up or bend over time. Yep. We, there really is nowhere to run or hide at this point, because if you do, if you take an action now to protect yourself in your little corner of the world now, that it's corner is going to be gone in two weeks, two right. months, two weeks. Right. There's no, you can't do it any longer. Yeah. You, we all must. And so, um, 
that organizations like yours and people going out into the community, joining their church, different charity organizations, check on your neighbors. I think if if we all pull together to help each other stand up and do the right thing and get through the tough times, we can do this and we can help snip those ties that are making people act against what they normally would be doing in other circumstances. Mm -hmm. Well, fully agree. And what it takes is real leadership in some of these organizations. And Tom and I, and like both of you have um, worked in and out of different organizations, seen different leadership and good leadership is few and far between. Very and true. So Very what we need to do is really identify good, strong leaders that are willing to stand up, um, stand firm, um, and then rally around them. That's what it's going to take. And yeah. I think, so, uh, Bernadette, to your point on the money, too, I think uh, people with values, uh, when it comes to the political side of things, they have to do two things. They have to vote and they have to write checks um, because the politicians uh, often look at the conservatives as, yeah, but they won't they won't vote. They won't fund. And I think that's really changing a lot in the past year and a half, two years. And people um, know that it's more than just um, complain or more than just join a prayer group. Those are important things to do. But we've got to re-engage in, the, in we, the layers of society so that the political leaders take us seriously. Exactly. And we've got one minute to go. So tell listeners and viewers where they can learn more about One, one Washington. Tell, uh, where they, can they find simple. you? Uh, O-N-E Washington, onewashington.com. Onewashington.com. Yep, yes. And our Telegram channel as well and other social media. Yep. Okay. Fantastic. So just look for onewashington, onewashington.com. Read, pay attention, reach out. There's probably a contact page, right? They can learn you how bet. to contact you guys you and, and join up. And, um, and Javier, your last last word? No, it's just wonderful to see uh, that, you know, uh, a, a group of uh, concerned and uh, ethical citizens uh, grouping together and identifying the leadership and organizing all these disparate groups uh, is having such a wonderful impact. And I think it's going to become the nucleus for many, many, many other good things that are going to come out in the coming years. Well, yeah. thanks for uh, all the work that you guys are doing and leading yes. the way. So yes, we're we're jumping onto the train that already left the station. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're paying, yeah. paying. Follow the leader, Bernadette and and, and Doc. So <laughs> keep, keep leading. Yeah, well, we're so glad you're here to join the leadership because we need you and what you have to offer. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, again, OneWashington.com. You've been listening to 1150 AM KKNW, an informed life reader. We're going to take a break and then we'll be back. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation 
and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one solution. I need somebody to show me, somebody to show me love. We need a revolution. Hello and welcome back to the second hour of an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and with me today is Javier Figueroa. Howdy doody. How you, I love that you Hello, got that. Um, for those on the radio or uh, podcast, you've got that shield behind you. That is Captain uh, America's shield back there. <laughs> Right. You know, the actor who plays that is is very politically active right now, and I, I haven't been able to figure out which way he leans. He gets really involved in some aspects of, of public health behind the scenes. So, uh, well, at least good for him for becoming active. And Javier, today's shows are really about activism and, and the power of hope and finding ways to put your energy into, into wanting change to happen in a direction, you know, so you don't get frustrated, right? There you go. So our first guests won Washington, weren't they fantastic? They were, I mean, amazing. It, it made me feel better. <laughs> yeah, me me too. So, you know, if, if you're just tuning into the second hour, onewashington.com, I highly recommend you go there. Run by a couple of amazing uh, gentlemen with some great life experience to bring to what's happening to look at what the problems are, uh, specifically targeting Washington State, but I believe everyone could learn from what they're doing, um, trying to unite all the energy um, so that the actions um, have the ability to achieve the change we need to see. And I am so grateful. You know, I'm a mama bear. I've got strengths and weaknesses, and um, I know what I can do, and I know what our organization, Form Choice Washington, to do, which is great. Um, 
but I'm always so happy when others rise up who have skills I do not. And by gum, these guys have got some great organizational skills that I am so happy to hear about. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, our next guest, Javier, um, I don't know if you've met her before, but you know about Stand for Health Freedom. Yes. Um, in, in Washington State, our own Lisa is the director of Stand for Health Freedom in Washington. And here in, in Tennessee, I'm the director of Stand for Health here. Um, and let's go ahead and bring on Bailey from Stand for Health Freedom. There she is, the beautiful Bailey. Uh, hi. Hi. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, and so what this great organization, I'm going I'm to say a little bit from my experience of Please. what this organization does. And then I would love to get some, uh, some background about what you do. From the standpoint of somebody who's been active for years with an informed consent medical freedom group, facing the challenges of getting messaging out there, and getting especially campaign messaging out there so people can take action, contact their legislators, have their voices be heard. It can be very challenging, very frustrating. And then I discovered this amazing group called Stand for Health Freedom. And you work up at a national level. And also you support all the states in what they're doing. And it's just like, and it's this beautiful partnership um, you know, we, we just overlap and support each other in so many ways. And I'm so very grateful to have discovered you. I think you help make informed choice Washington work better and smarter. And here in Tennessee, you make the Tennessee coalition for vaccine choice. Who's the partner organization. You help us work better and smarter. And so I'm, I'm so very grateful, um, for that, um, Bailey. And we'll talk about some good wins here in Tennessee. Yay. in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Javier Figueroa is in Washington state. Um, he is a PhD in neurobiology. Um, he's somebody who came to the medical freedom movement because of COVID. Oh, met nice. him on a free, met him on a freeway overpass. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. We, we have giant freeway banners oh, okay, that, okay. that just, um, what was the one we were, there were two we were putting up there, Javier. And that's oh, where I met you. Yeah. Um, it was basically there's no uh, the vaccines have no liability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and then and then we're it. also promoting healthyimmunitynow.org, a website that is all about uh, treatment protocols for COVID. Exactly. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So people going one way saw one sign on the giant overpass, you Love know, it. and um, and Javier's got you know scientific background. He used to sit Javier. I'm going to squirrel a little bit on the. Um, International Hyperbaric Association board. So he oh, knows right. all about the healing powers of hyperbarics, which is huge, mm-hmm. right? It's it's sort of a semi-censored. I mean, it's it's accepted in some areas, but it could really be being used so much more widely, if not for mm-hmm. the fact that that interferes with a lot of profits from other products. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's it's yeah, it's again the the same thing that we encountered with uh uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine is the same thing that we're encountering with hyperbarics, uh, you know, treatment for stroke, treatment for Alzheimer's, COVID, you name it. It's, it can be applied in so many different ways. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, it really is. So, um, so we'll get back to you, Bailey. Um, <laughs> and uh, love the signs uh, behind um, you. Those are, 
Those are fantastic. One, just from one of DeSantis's bill signings. So I had to support Mr. Uh, Ron DeSantis there. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, we we have to be careful on this show. We're C3 and C4 funded, depending on what the episode is. This will be a C4 because we're talking about legislation right. and such. Okay. That's good. Um, we can't stump for candidates, but we can tell people to research your candidate thoroughly right. and vote for those aligned with what's important to you. And if protecting children and parental rights is important to you, find those candidates. Never before has voting mattered more. And volunteer. Volunteer to be an observer. Exactly. We need free and fair elections. And no matter how your system is set up to do it in your state, we need observers there to make sure it happens um, correctly and honestly. So, so tell us a little bit, Bailey, about Stand for Health Freedom and how it all got started. I'd like to hear yeah. the history of it. I'm not sure I know that. Okay. Um, well, I'm the relationship manager. So I basically what I do is coordinate with people like Bernadette. And um, we work on strategy or campaigns or calls to action, however we need to do. But what um, it was really Leah Wilson is our executive director and Sayer G is one of our founders as well, um, as long as well as um, Joel Bohemia. He's a chiropractor in Naples, Florida. And they just saw the desperate need to support state groups. That was one of the needs they saw. They see they saw a need um, for a national level organization and a way to collaborate all the groups together to have one voice. Um, mm-hmm. The only need they really saw is that uh, people wanted to get active and have a voice, but they didn't have the confidence or the knowledge or sometimes they had the fear that stopped them. And so what we really try to do is give people that, um, we take them wobbly to sturdy, basically. So let us Mm -hmm. help you um, on health freedom issues. Let us help you educate. Let's educate you. Let's get you used to speaking with your legislators. And if step one is just simply sending an email, then that's a great step forward. Um, And then we try to educate people on how important it is to get into those offices, create relationships, because that's the key to moving any type of legislation or for a legislator to know exactly who you are and what you represent. You need to be in their offices. So we're sort Mm -hmm. of giving some baby steps to people who just don't either have the time or have, um, I don't know, there's a lot of fear based when it comes to dealing with legislators. So just trying to get yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, those baby steps are so important. You know, I used to be just as naive as anybody. I voted, but honestly, I really didn't know in hindsight what I was voting for. I read the little thing in the pamphlet and thought Same. that was enough. What an exactly. idiot. But, but no, and you know, give myself grace, you know, yep. we're all on this journey of learning together. And, you know, when I first, the first time I went to um, the Capitol in Washington state, I was nervous. I was nervous. I was awed by the hallowed halls, the signs on the door. This is a senator, right? right. This is the leader of the house. I didn't even know what that meant. Yeah. And so I was a bit awed and intimidated. But the more I went and began mm-hmm. to talk to these people as human beings, one parent yeah. to another, one person to person, you got to know them, got to see them as people. And then, you know, within a short amount of time, I tell mm-hmm. you, I'm walking those halls with pride. That's right. This is my capital. Mm-hmm. People are here because we put them in office and we can take them out mm-hmm. of office. 
yeah. with our votes. And, you know, it, my whole attitude shifted and I was absolutely shocked at how enjoyable it is to get actively involved and be part of making a difference. I never thought it would be politics would be exciting, but when you've got topics before you that directly impact your family and especially impact children, wow, you know, uh, uh, probably a little bit too much adrenaline at times because, you know, mama right. bear comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want listeners to know if you're at those beginning stages and you're still intimidated to write, to call, to go in person, know that when you do that, eventually you're going to get to a place where you're going to like it and you're mm -hmm. going to feel empowered and it's going to be good. But like anything new, it's a little scary at first. It is. Yeah. yeah. I'm down here in Florida and um, I have to be honest, it's been, now I've been doing this for about five or six years, but I didn't do it previously in other states that I've lived in. And so it actually took a group of us. There were seven of us from two counties or in two different counties, but there's seven of us that are all in the same mission. And so mm -hmm. we all seven went to all of the representatives in the two counties together. And once we did that twice, I'm like, oh, this is not, what I, you know, it's not scary anymore. And they're normal human beings, just like you and I, they're respectable men and women who are serving their country and it's our civic <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's our civic duty to explain to them maybe some things that they don't know or educate them. And if we don't do it, then who else will? And so, yes, really, Sanford Freedom is really about empowering the people. However, it's best for them. Um, we want to empower you to have a voice, to use the your voice and to affect change. And mm -hmm. um, that's as simple as all you can do is send the email. That's great. But if you can gain confidence in just doing that, then you might be able to be willing to do the next step forward. So, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, Javier, I'm going to share the their website. Do you have any questions for Bailey as I grab her website real quick? Oh, and so share. This is interesting because you're coordinating a, a national effort in, yeah. in helping all these people become, uh, you know, able to interact with their governments. Um what are some of the strategies that have worked really well for you? You know, is it, is it really state by state or does there seem to be a general strategy? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, just like every state is supposed to be sovereign, every right. state strategy is completely different. Um, and sometimes we go in with, you know, if we bring on a new state, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is very different than what we're used to. So um, but then all of those, you know, you kind of pull nuggets from every state. Oh, this worked here. Well, maybe this will work here. And then you start to make those as a national strategy. So it's honestly strategy has been and kind of seems to be the same of just making the inroads, making the relationships and continuing to um, massage them. Like it's, it's always so far been about relationships that get us to the best place. It's not about who's the loudest. It's not about mm -hmm. who face the most. It's about respectable meetings, information face-to-face, -face, gaining their respect, you know, because what we champion sometimes is can be considered um, controversial. I don't think right. it is. Some people think it is. So being mm -hmm. respectful, um, bringing them information. And, and the other understanding is, is that a lot of times the information we're bringing isn't going to be accepted in meeting one. So having patience and um, being willing to be patient with them as they gradually start to understand what it is the information we're bringing to them. So do you find or have you gotten the feedback that a lot of the, uh, the representatives or legislators are just uninformed about the reality? 100 percent. 
it is absolutely they're uninformed. And it's interesting because obviously most of us were doing this pre-COVID. And right. so, um, once we started getting in the office, Oh, Bailey, hold on a minute. If you can hear me, that you've got a bad connection there for a second. So I'm oh, no. clear up. Oh, I heard no. oh no really well. Now you're back. Okay. Okay, good. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> um, but post COVID or during COVID, I should say, as we were getting into these offices, you know, they're starting to open their eyes and listen a little bit more intently to what we're saying because, you know, it's a little good. bit more obvious of what we've been sort of talking about um, freedoms being restricted, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. exemption processes and all of that. It, it's all the same with COVID. It was all the same with children's mandates. Now it's the same with COVID. So they're able to kind of see it a little bit easier than they were before. But if we weren't starting those relationships from the beginning, they wouldn't mm-hmm. maybe have seen the process or or understood a little bit better what, what was actually happening. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's great to hear. Uh, yeah. It's just, there's been so many cases where people uh, don't want to hear it because they 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 want to keep on going the way they're going. Right. And there's some people that are completely gobsmacked by the fact that really I didn't know that. No one told me that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of sort of scenarios. So um, you know I, I I don't know what if you received feedback on how often there's you know what's the divide? Is it like ninety percent that are completely unaware and ten percent that don't care? And they're I just going to teach Sadly, depends on your state color. <laughs> you know, um, sadly. Yeah. So, sadly. Uh, it, yeah, if you're in a little bit more of a red state, our issues seem to be a little bit more accepted. Blue state, maybe not. But that doesn't always, that's not always the truth. Right. Um, okay. We have quite a few people in different, on, in different sides of the aisle that are, that stand with us. But yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, a case in point would be my experience here in Tennessee. Yeah. Where even even those who um, may think that um, that the COVID shots are there's more benefit than risk, and who have gotten it themselves, um, they nevertheless fully support medical freedom and right. parental rights. Yeah. So we enter those offices to educate, of course, respectfully, um, and to find that common ground. That's right. Right. And, and though that relationship building is so very important, um, because we're never all going to see eye to eye, but if we can find that area, um, of common ground of where that dividing line is between, um, what a government can kind of compel you to do versus what really should be, uh, controlled by the individual, if we can find that and move forward there, yeah. we can go a long way. Um, are you guys able to see there the um, Stand for Health Freedom website? It yeah. is um, Stand for Health Freedom, uh, is it .org or .com? .com. Dot .com. Um, and we'll tell people this a couple of times. So even if you don't belong to currently to a state group, you can go ahead and join Stand for Health Freedom. And then when there are notices that impact you that because they're national topics, you'll get notices. Um, And if there's something specific to your state that you want to pay attention to, they will alert you about what's going on in your state, which is fantastic. And then sometimes some of your messaging also lets them know about some groups. Yes. Yep. freedom groups within their state. So if they want to join their state group, they can, they can certainly do that. Um, yeah. And, and let's, 
let's look at um bailey some of these fantastic i'm hoping this will travel with me some of the actions so if you go to stantrailfreedom.com and you click on the tag take action tab yeah it's going to pull up this great did that follow me yes so um javier is there in washington state and and this is an informed life radio based out of washington so we're going to click on washington state mm-hmm. and see what we've got going oh we've got a tennessee action there <laughs> i'm telling you we uh i would say our platform's been a little uh censored lately and some things keep happening so i'm going to fix that <laughs> And it's and it, what's really interesting is because I I work both in Washington and Tennessee yeah, so that funny. whatever whatever they did they they um, yeah it's so they're they're I'm connected with those Tennessee actions yeah, so that's, that's all right. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, we uh, we we definitely see the censorship lately and it's not fun but that's okay we keep working with it yeah as much as we can so yeah and it can be interesting on different different websites you go to visit that you know are solid, great websites, different, um, what do I want to call them? Security platforms will block it and say that it's, you know, it's danger, danger, put it in red. They won't even let you go there. (laughs) It's, it's really concerning, but what you can do and, and Bailey's team will make sure it gets fixed. You'll be able to click on your state and find specific actions. But then there's also national and federal action alerts. And these have been phenomenal. Um, One of the main ones, Bailey, that you've got going now and that it's still current. Yes. Is um, explain the act now help stop COVID shots for babies and toddlers. Explain what that one's about. Yeah. So as the FDA is wanting to, you know, open up the EUA for the younger babies, basically, let's just call them babies because that's what they really are. Um, We're wanting to target and we've got quite a few targets on this campaign. We've got up to 35. Um, We're we are targeting the FDA leaders, leadership at CDC. We're um, targeting some of these committee meeting people that are, that that make the decisions, and we're asking them to think before they open up this EUA for children, as it's just simply unnecessary and uh, it's you know untested. So we don't even have proof positive that it will work on kids. So actually, that campaign has blown up, which is great. We've already seen over two hundred five thousand emails go out. Um, and it's, and we just launched it yesterday. So it is um, <laughs> one nice. of the, it's really fun to see people taking action, um, and getting active. So it's good. Yeah, that is very good. And I see one that's been there since January act now, tell your governor and local legislators that COVID-19 vaccines must be voluntary. Yeah. That's fantastic. Another action alert, click to tell your Senator to vote no on the federal tracking system. Tell us about that action campaign. So, yep. That's H that's a federal bill HR five, five, zero. I'm not sure if you guys are tracking that at all, but um, basically they're wanting to connect all state databases of um you know, uh, vaccination tracking. If your state is, is already tracking your vaccination records, they're wanting to connect them all together and create one big database. And so we are asking, you know, we don't, we don't want any t- type of tracking. We don't even want it at the state level. Um, but now we really don't want all of this to be, to be in one location, um, open up to kind of anybody to see. So we're asking them to, and, and that bill actually hasn't really been moving. Thank, thank goodness. Um, but we do, we track all these bills, um, and we watch them either move or not move. And that one has stood still for a little while, thankfully. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep going at some, looking at some of these bills. Oh, I have to go over to another, there we go to move it up. What is the I stand to? Um, yeah. Oh, that's from 2021. Is that still going? Yeah, it's still. So um, uh, the disinformation dozen, it's still a very active campaign. There's 12 mm-hmm. um, people targeted. One of them happens to be our founder, Sayer G. And, um, you know, the White House has publicly said that he is one of those dis- disinformation dozen. And so we're asking um, our legislators to not stand for something like this. This is, First of all, it's disinformation, what they're giving. And yes. that um, they need to be looking into what they're claiming as disinformation. And um, we're saying it's more than just 12 people that you're targeting. There's many of us and many of us have a voice and you need to listen to what we're saying yeah. or at least give us an opportunity, you know, quit censoring us. Exactly. You know, and everything that is that Sayer G says, let's have that debate. That's That's right. He he backs everything up with science. I belong to Green Med Info. I'm one of the paid subscribers so I can access his fabulous collection Mm -hmm. of studies. And yeah, let's debate the science. You know, what's information, what's misinformation. And of course, we know the conversation they will not allow to happen because Mm -hmm. they know we'll win. (laughs) That's, that's absolutely right. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So a quick question for you. I know that you're, you're working at, at the national level as well, but have you heard anything about um, the, the signing of the treaty to expand uh, World Health Organization powers yes. in the United States? Yep. Actually, Bernadette, if you scroll up and click on petitions um, on the blue tab at the top, yeah, sorry. That first one with the green X, that is um, a whole campaign about the treaty, um, what it is, what it means. Um, and then what we're doing is we're accepting signatures and we'll take these signatures to key. Um, really, we go with to key targets. It's, so it's usually yeah. families in, um, in the Congress and we let them know, hey, first of all, educating them on what's happening because they probably don't have the awareness and then letting them know how many Americans are standing behind them and saying, we don't want this. Um, and so we're looking basically what, and if, if listeners don't know, this WHO treaty is basically wanting, they want to take sovereignty away from America, which would take sovereignty away from states, which would take sovereignty away from the individual. And they, during a health crisis, they want to be able to say, this is what you're to do. And you do not, no one gets to make a different decision. You must make the decision you make. And it's, uh, if you really read the the nitty gritty of it, it's, it can be very scary. Um, so we've actually had a few advocates reach out and ask us, can you please make this into some sort of one pager where we can start handing this out? So it's something we're discussing doing is getting, we really need to try to get this information out there to people. They need to see what's the bigger picture. What's the reason behind maybe COVID coming in and what's the bigger picture of what they're trying to achieve. Um, so people have an awareness. So I don't know if you remember, Bernadette, when we were uh, trying to get the, uh, the, the the legislation here in the state of Washington to actually uh, redefine pandemic and as well yes. as basically have different steps of, of how to do this. It's amazing that most people don't realize how the definition of pandemic has been changed since 2009. I don't think I knew that. Well, yeah. it's been changed to the point where it's it's meaningless. It's basically... Anything that causes a new variant that comes in and is spreading, we'll consider that a pandemic. It has nothing to do with, you know, morbidity or mortality. It's absolutely just, if it's a new virus, we get to declare a pandemic and an emergency. 
Wow. At, is that a baby or a cat? We're hearing the background. Um, Sorry, yeah, and I'm that's mute. Okay. That's okay. Um, and yeah, thanks for bringing that up, um, Javier. Yeah. Because yeah, the what's really you know to step back and and I apologize for sounding conspiratorial, but when you have heads of nations actually right. stating this is what we're doing, the Great Reset, we're taking advantage. When you see that laws and systems are being put in place, the laws, um, the bills put forward in California yes. would, would for any health emergency, and if it could be as vague as what Javier is saying, it was just almost anything could be declared a health emergency or a pandemic, then, and then, so all authority vanishes and they can yeah. just do basically whatever they want. Whatever they want. It's very, very concerning. And, you know, you look at the current president of the United States, who respectfully does not seem to be a well man, does not seem to be in control. And then you look at the World Health Organization and the forces that control them, the funders, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and and all those um, very powerful individuals who are behind the scenes sort of pulling the strings we're in a very precarious place here, people. Mm-hmm. If the World Health Organization, um, if they declare another emergency and, and what they want to be put in place, and we have this president who's just puppets on a string because he's not yes. well, yes. it's it's concerning. It's very yes. concerning. And I, I love your title. So it gives a little levity to yes. what is the, you know, we have to laugh as we, we take action. So it's the title is What the Who? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is on your tab that was for, where what did I click on? Yeah. Into the, Petition. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you've got a take action tab, which will give you things that you're going to be doing at the state, state and national level, um, pinpointing legislation. And then you've got this um, petition stage, which takes action in different ways. Those That's are right. both very important. Now, I'm going to go back. Oh, <laughs> we lost Bernadette. Oh, and you're muted. <laughs> well, we'll wait for. Bernadette to come online. I'm sure she's going to correct the record, but um, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, this is all part of, it seems to be integrated. There she is. I hit the wrong back button. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back. It's fine. So go ahead, Bernadette. Um, Yeah. No, if you guys were having a thought while I I jumped out, you you finished that. I'm going to go back to your website yeah. and go on to some other, I want to go to that CDC petition. That's sure. so important. Okay. So, you know, at, at some point, I think that uh, most people that are fighting for health freedom are realizing that there is, uh, you know, that this, this is looking more and more like a naked power grab in, in, it is, yeah. in many circumstances. And it's not hyperbolic. And, you know, most people shouldn't feel uh, like they're, they're in the wrong for stating it. It's right. stating the truth. Yes. There's power in the public health system that allows for basically the sweeping away of civil liberties. And it's amazing that there is now a a concerted effort or a meme that says you should feel like a selfish SOB for wanting your civil rights. It's, it, it's mind blowing is what it is. It's, it's mind blowing that people accept that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, our, our previous guests, the the uh, Tom and Larry from um, 
one Washington. I love how they brought up, we all have to have grace because yeah. so many people are getting caught up, yes. um, being misled. It's not that they have bad hearts. They're just being pointed in the wrong direction. So we have Absolutely. to have grace for everybody as we educate um, and try to, you know, sort of wake people up. So we're back to the petition stage. Are you seeing it? I hope. Yes. Um, and so that was the great, please, everybody go to standforhealthfreedom.com, go to the, what the who petition and sign that. Um, I confess I haven't signed it yet. This is a reminder. I need to do that. That's good. Um, you've got one for liability free products, put our children at risk. Yes. And it's about shielding the U.S. children from harm and hold pharma accountable. Fantastic. So that one will That's on the 1986 Act. So if, if people are new to health freedom, we're wanting to sort of go back to some basics for people to educate them on, you know, the, the people need to understand that big pharma is liability free when it comes to vaccines. So mm -hmm. just going backwards and educating as much as we can. That's, that's fantastic. They need to know how we got here. Yeah. And, and we know that by attempting to push these COVID shots on children, their ultimate goal is to move the COVID shots once fully licensed yes. out from under the PREP Act, under the 1986 shield umbrella. So they remain liability free and we just cannot have that. Yeah. Um, these products need to be pulled from the market. I'll say it. They are dangerous and yes. they're... Early treatment protocol should be um, what this country embraces and preventatives like nutrition um, and ivermectin is a great preventative, but you need the nutrition along with it. Wow. So let's let's go to one of my favorite one of your petitions um, way back to March 2021, but it yeah. is still alive and well and gaining yeah. momentum. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. The great thing about this petition is, um, and it doesn't, I, we moved to different platforms. So we're over 150,000 on signatures on this one. And what we're doing is we are able to take these um, signatures and we're, at, we're use, using them. So, so many people ask, well, what's the point of using a petition? And we like to let people know we actually use your names. We, if you're going to sign it, we're going to use it. And so we um, had a grand jury investigation uh, filed in the state of Oregon. They took our petition and they have officially filed to look into um, the death certificates of people um, who supposedly died with COVID or died of COVID. Um, but it, we, if you actually, if your viewers go um, to, there's a tab on the green section that says CDC investigation at the top, it will give you a whole rundown of what we went. We did a panel series. We brought in people to talk about what happened, um, how they're adjusting death certificates to make it look like people are dying more people are dying of covid um and just sort of we kind of broke that that all open and that was yeah back in march of 2021 and so there's a whole bunch of information there you can find out about what the cdc has been doing um and you know to get a better understanding and then you can sign the petition and we're taking it state by state um, to try to see if we can't get a grand jury to try to file something um in our favor mm -hmm. see if we can't get a ruling you know yeah. And so, yeah, there's this fantastic um, paper that was published. Um, did the CDC violate federal law? And it's about the changes, the things that the CDC did. Yes. That the evidence does show they did break the law. Um, right. So there's that to read. And then where's the wonderful, I, um, the full paper? That is the full paper, the download that the, this, did the CDC vi violate the federal law? That okay. is actually the full paper. 
Fantastic. And yeah. I do encourage people to read that to see what happened. Um, so add your voice, sign up, put efforts behind this. And I've, I've got to think that perhaps because right now the CDC and states are backpedaling, they're, they're supposedly finding errors in their programs right. and they're, they're changing how many people died of COVID and they're removing tens of thousands of people at a time yeah. that they must be looking at this and know that they're in trouble. Yeah. And they're going to try to a CYA, but they're not going to be able right. to, they need to be held responsible That's, for what they did. We want to see accountability here. They can't yes. just make these decisions and change laws that have been there mm -hmm. for decades. Um, mm -hmm. for one pandemic uh, to get what they, the narrative they wanted to get. So, yes. Um, and the other thing that at some point, I know maybe you don't want to talk too much about, but is the vote for health freedom that we have launched this year. Um, and that's on the green tab. If you see up on the top to vote for health Let's freedom. Well, no, we, yeah. And we can talk about okay. this as long okay. as we don't talk about individual candidates, no but we can definitely educate if you okay, want to. Yeah. Explain how this will help them yes. make educated votes. Yes. yes. We are really excited about this. Um, we are, we are working furiously to get uh, voter guides out for every state. 30 days before their primary so that you know who to vote for, who is someone who fights and stands for health freedom. So we are working alongside state groups. If we don't have a state group in that state, we are working as hard as we can to get as much information as possible. Basically what we do is we ask candidates to fill out a very quick survey. It probably takes them less than five minutes to fill out. And that generates, uh, that generates our next steps, which are to start vetting. We vet the district, we vet the candidate. Um, we want to make sure we're backing candidates who don't just say what they want to do. They're walking the walk as well. So we're really careful on um, who we're vetting. And there's always strategy behind it as well. Some of the candidates who are currently in office that we endorse or we're recommending, um, we're doing that because we, they've already started working with us. And they are, they're like clay. They're a little malleable and we can educate and we can you know, really show them. And it takes time. And so sometimes it's better to have the ones you've already got in office who will listen and who are educated already than getting the new ones that you're not sure exactly where they stand. Mm -hmm. So we're really working. There's 36 governors up for re-election this year. Our goal is to get a recommendation for all 36. Um, I think we're up to seven or eight now. So we got a ways to go, but we're going. And then there's almost 7,000 candidates in the United States that's, that are up for either state or congressional races. In some states, we're even some state groups are even endorsing or recommending um, school board or county commissioner because you know we saw through the pandemic how important that is. Um, but if we don't have a state group, we're not going that local of a level. We just don't have the manpower. I wish we did. But um, really, it's been really encouraging to meet all of these candidates who have been called. Um, they've seen what's happened and they are ready to put throw their hat in the ring and say it's time to make a difference. And so it's actually been incredibly um, encouraging to see all these people stepping up who haven't stepped up before. And um, it's also been encouraging to see those who are still in office saying, hey, I, I want to I want to be very vocal about I'm going to stand for health freedom. And that's what we want. We pe want people on the record saying I'm going to take the stand. This is a pivotal year for us. So we're very excited. It is exciting. Can you tell listeners what states you need help where you have not been able to gather information in case they want to help disp uh, disperse that survey for you? 
if they go on vote for health freedom, you'll see the United State map. The blue states are the ones that we're still in the process of vetting. Um, actually, if you go to our other map on the on the take action page and you don't have to do it, Bernadette, but that tells you what states we already have a state group in. Um, if your state is green on our take action page, that means we've got a state group. We're working for you. If then when you go to vote for health freedom, if your state is uh, blue, we're still working on your state. But basically, if you know any, if you just need to I can if you click on any of the states, you can find the survey. It's always right there at the top of the state. Um, yeah, that's perfect. And you'll see in green, it says, want to help? Ask your candidates to fill out the health freedom survey. Um, okay. And that's what gets the process started. So, uh, and I know a lot of people are clamoring for us to get stuff out there and get information up there. I just ask people to be a little bit patient. There's not a lot of us doing the work and it's a lot of candidates, but I'm incredibly inspired. And um, I think we have, it's going to be quite a fun year. Elections can be um, a little too serious <laughs> and I'm starting to have a little fun with it. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Where, what else do you want to show us on your website that we can um, talk um, about? You know, another really great is to go to the resources tab. This is where I send people pretty much 75% of the time. We have so many downloadable documents for you to inform yourself, inform other people. If you're part of a group, um, you can you can download these, print them off, and it helps inform people. So we've got tons of things. We, you know, our major focus a lot of times is kids because we know that they're um, the bad guys. Let's just call them that are after our children. Um, mm -hmm. They can get them now. They can get them potentially forever. So we want to inform on, you know, what's right for kids privacy, what's there for the shot for kids. You know, this first document, Kids First, the COVID-19 shot decision. It's just helping people make the decision. Is this shot right for my children? Um, and, but we go through a whole plethora of things. My favorite one is actually, um, the religious, uh, if you go down just a little bit, sorry, keep going. I should know the name religious freedom. We just have it called on the clear, right? But really it's to educate people when they want, they take a religious exemption. A lot of people will say, well, actually my religion doesn't cover that. And what this document talks to you about is actually what religion means according to the constitution. And it means it's a sincerely held belief. You don't have to have a, you know, a foundational religion to tell you what your sincerely held beliefs are. So that's a really good educational tool for people to understand that if you're going to claim an exemption for your child for school, um, you, you can claim it without having to be a certain, you know, religion. So I love that one. I think it's uh, really educational for people. Yeah. And, you know, abuse of religious freedom has been so rampant through COVID. And I think in Washington state, it's horrific. The, the governor was even caught like his attorney through behind the scene communications, attempting to draft religious exemption forms that were so absurd that almost nobody would qualify. First of all, you don't have to qualify really? exemption. You just say it's against my religious beliefs in the United States of America. You're done. Definitely. But these things ask questions like, have you ever been vaccinated for anything as an adult? Have, do you take any over-the-counter medications? Are your children vaccinated? Wow. What? It's no business of That's yours, right? Business. That's and, right. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, the way I like to explain it so that people really understand, because so many people are very honest. And in the beginning of this, because they didn't understand what religious freedom was in this yeah, nation, that's right. they felt they were cheating if they claimed a religious exemption. Yes. And I said, I'm going to explain it this way. If you believe in your heart that getting that shot 
can do you your harm. Yes. And if you believe that intentionally doing yourself harm and especially doing harm because of coercion and you want to keep something like your job or something that, you know, some material thing, you're going against what you believe is your conviction and doing self-harm. That's right. If you believe that's wrong, that's your religious conviction. It's not tied to a church, right? That's right. That's that's your personally held religious belief. And by gum, everybody in this country qualifies, whether you claim to be an atheist or, you know, anything um, in between, you know, People need to understand that, that that's what our founding fathers fought for. That's right. That freedom. And that, that's a God-given right. Whatever you call God, God, God yeah. gave you that right that's to right. honor what's right and moral with you. And our constitution um, supports yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lots of information. Really, our goal is to educate advocates so they can educate their legislators, educate their families, their neighbors. As if we can all educate each other and in the end mm-hmm. do our civic duty and educate our legislators, we can create great policy throughout the United States and, you know, get back to a free country because I'm not yes. sure that's really what we are anymore, sadly. Yes. Um, I, I hadn't realized just, I hadn't been here for a while, how many handouts you have. Oh yeah. We've been rocking them out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what is this one with the funny name parentectomy? Oh yeah. And you know, that's actually a real word too. I didn't even know that was a real word. What but the heck? Talking about, you know, and this is very prevalent. I think we all can see this now is the, I would say the, federal government's role or whoever it is that's running this mess is saying, you know, they want to get rid of the the parent. Let's get rid of the parent. Let this, let the state or the, the country be um, the parent and let's make the decisions for the parents. And we obviously do not advocate for that whatsoever. We think parents are key and pivotal in children's lives and decisions that are made. Um, So parentectomy is actually, I know I had to look it up. It's a real word and it's the removal of a parent basically out of a child's life. Um, and so we'll actually be updating this one in the next probably two, maybe week or two. So we've been okay. working to update it with all the new information, all the things that are happening. Um, it, we sort of never seem to be able to get it out. And then there's like something new already. And we're like, oh, yeah. shoot. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we're just, we're ready to just yeah. get it out. And if it gets updated again, it gets updated again. But yeah, well, um, this one, yeah, is so very important. Yeah. I was just recently researching um, things like the mature minor doctrine, parental rights, age of consent for yeah. vaccination. Right. And there's a couple of things that are very alarming. First of all, there's huge money behind empowering minors to to make medical decisions behind yeah. their back. Mm-hmm. That is truly alarming. And this is funding and support out there in the public proudly proclaiming we're talking about the AMA the American Medical Association yeah. the mm-hmm. APA um no is it APA uh the Pediatrics Association okay. yep. they have for years made it like a couple of years ago their number one goal was the removal of religious exemptions yes and then they got in such hot water over the word religion that they changed it to their number one goal not to prove the health of children but to remove now non-medical exemptions. And, and right. then they, they openly support legislation that empowers children younger and younger to mm-hmm. make medical 
decisions. And one thing, Bailey, that it was so disturbing is I found a couple of websites that I haven't been able to go rabbit hole to see the funding on, okay. but they're called like Vaxteen and, oh, yes. you know, Yes, I've been on that one. That. And they say quite boldly that their goal is to help minors whose parents won't let them choose vaccines to help them know the laws in their state so they can go get vaccinated. This is their goal is to empower teens and then to push for legislation to make this happen. Yeah. So parentectomy. Right. Wow. To um, parent right, parent parental rights. And I think we're seeing that even in um, you know, my state is Florida, and we're even seeing the push for that, you know, with this the bill that DeSantis signed in regards to um, this whole, you can't teach about sex education um, until third grade, and the uproar of people that, uh, it's just shocking. It blows my mind. Why is this something that we're all fighting about? Why are we not all united on this? Let's let our kids yeah. be kids. They don't let need to know kids. about that stuff at that age. And excuse well, me, but the sun has gone down here and I need to turn my light on. So okay. So no, that's okay. You go ahead and turn your light on. But, you know, Javier, I'm in complete agreement there. I mean, especially when there's there's complete social, cultural disagreement about what age certain things may be appropriate. And right. especially things that weren't traditionally taught in school. Right. Right. There was a certain age, I think it was like sixth or seventh grade when I was a kid. Yeah. And it was about the the mm -hmm. time that girls may be experiencing right. menstruation for the yep. first time. Can I say mm -hmm. that on the air here? Um, it's amazing what you, you have to watch saying on the air on radio that okay. they say openly in schools, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, we were divided boys and girls and we were taught about basics of reproduction and all of that. But, you know, anything um, most, except for the basics, yeah. um, it was up to the parents right. and their own, whatever their culture, their religion, their morals, mm -hmm. they guided. And you know your own child. Not all six, seven-year-olds are ready to hear certain things. That's Not right. all nine, 10, 11-year-olds are ready to hear, hear certain yes. things, you know? Yes. Um, I remember <laughs> my sister, I don't remember how old I was, but she decided she was two years older than me that I needed to hear how babies were made. Okay. So she, she told me and I said, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. And I don't believe you. I love it. Because see, I wasn't ready. I wasn't yes. ready. That's um, yeah. And if my sister listens to this, you know, you did, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it's not up to the schools and it's, right. you know, and it's, Oh, you know, it's not saying it's not putting any judgment on who, what parents teach their children what, but that belongs in the home environment. Definitely. And mm -hmm. and to push this on children younger and younger, let children be children. Yeah. Um, you mm -hmm. know, and the other thing, if, if I dare step into this realm, I'm going to do it. When I was a kid, I was a tomboy, right? I loved playing trees. I loved playing with the trucks. I thought it's so cool to be a boy. It wasn't about sexuality. It wasn't right. about parts. It was about, they got to do cool stuff that I yeah. wanted to do. Yeah. And, you know, my mom let me, you know, do this and that. Right. Um, today, the way it's presented to children at a very young age, you know, had it been presented, be well, maybe you are a boy. Right. I, what, you know, um, it, it's just, it's gotten so extreme yeah. that, 
you know, everything becomes about sexuality. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I find that very disturbing and wrong. And I don't mean to in any way slight individuals who at a young age do feel like something's Absolutely. not right. Right. I don't mean that, but no. I just mean, we don't want for the children who don't have gender identity That's issues. Right. We don't want to create yeah. identity issues by making it seem that because you like to do boy things, yeah, that, that means that you're actually a boy. Right. Okay. So I'm sorry about diving into something that this show really isn't about, No, um, but Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just protecting the parental rights to make those sort of decisions is so Yeah. It definitely seems like at all angles, they're coming after those parental rights, you know, Mm -hmm. health freedom, obviously one of them, education, another sex education. It just, they're trying to remove the parent and we want, we want nothing to do with that. We want the parent in and the parent to be very, an active role in the child's life. Um, And so that's, you know, something we obviously always advocate for is parental rights. Quick question for you. You know, when we talk about they, uh, you know, it's very amorphous. Are there particular organizations or nonprofits that are promoting this or pushing this at each of the state levels? I, I actually, I'm not well versed in in that area. So I really don't know. Um, I, I try to stay in the health freedom lane because there's so many ways we could all go. Right. Um, That's a good point. So I unfortunately don't know, but I know there are organizations out there. I just don't know exactly who they are. And if they're nationwide, are they the same in each state? I'm not sure. There does seem to be a lot of um, commonality between the messaging. I'm familiar with the the vaccine, and I know that's the AMA and the AAPs, the large medical organizations that are aligned with pharma. are doing it. But when it comes to some of these other issues, I, you know, that would be something to, to really look into and to see Mm -hmm. what their, their goals are, but we've got like two more. Oh, one minute. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. So that went went so fast. Yeah. Yeah. So Bailey, you are an angel. I'm so grateful for you, for all your hard work for standforhealthfreedom.com. Everybody, please go check out all of their tabs and all of their information. Sign up, take those baby steps if you haven't already, become active. We can make a difference in our lives, in our children's lives, and make this world um, a better place. Any last word before the music comes on? (laughs) I totally agree. I think people are a little fearful to take action now because there's so much corruption. But what we want to say is now's the time. This is the time to step up. That Now is when we can make a big difference. So um, we're telling people instead of stepping back, step forward. And, uh, you know, this is time. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Javier, last word. Nothing. I'm I'm just uh, it's it's just amazing to connect with all these uh, groups that are pushing both at the local and state level. And, you know, everyone's scared that we can't do anything. And it's like, no, we can. We can. And all of us can make a difference individually and together united. Thank you all. Um, You've been listening to 1150 AM KKNW and Informed Life Radio. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. 
For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at healthyimmunitynow.org. That's healthyimmunitynow.org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.